Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Joe and Golick, Michael Jr., Michael Sr., Jesse Cofield, hanging out over at the desk. Friends, morning. How are we doing? Happy Wednesday. It is. We've made it to hump day, as they say. We've so now made it. Get over the top of that. Yeah. Get into the finish A of that first week. gorgeous, rainy day here in Boston. Listen, the last couple of days have been nice, though. Yes, So can't correct. complain about that. I came off of being in Dublin, where you do get the rain, the, like, the Seattle-like rain and wind and such, so... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll take this weather here. It's been really nice. Yeah, you got uh, European golf conditions there, which yep. makes sense. We'll talk a little bit about the Ryder yes, Cup today. Yes, we will. Ooh. That is going to be on foreign soil. That has traditionally been an issue for our boys in red, white, and blue. Uh, we will get all caught up on that. We've got Chris Collinsworth stopping by today on the show here, the voice of Sunday Night Football. Get to talk to him about the upcoming NFL season. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Check us out. DraftKings YouTube live, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. You're hearing this. You're probably already watching right now, but yeah. for the people who hear it later on the podcast, come hang or out tell with a friend, us in the morning. Right? Yeah. Tell someone. Tell Spread somebody to tell somebody. But uh, to help us get yeah. through the Wednesday, the hump day, while the name of the show has technically changed, 
The tone and tenor on Wednesday does not. And on a large floating face over to my right in the wow. studio here, we have welcomed in our wonderful friend, Charlotte Wilder, co-host of the Oddball Podcast with me and El Hassan that you can also hear on DraftKings Network. Charlotte, how we doing, buddy? You look phenomenal. Oh my God, I'm so huge up there. I'm gonna put a little more makeup on it. No, you look incredible. Hi guys, how you doing? Your pores look amazing. Jesse. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Congrats on the, the new name, the new launch. I'm so glad Wilder Wednesdays gets to come along for the ride. Yes, Charlotte will be along with us in the first hour of the now two hour show on right, Wednesdays right. here. So same good stuff, same good time. And Charlotte, we actually need your help with something because I'm curious. Yeah. We got into a debate before the show uh, coming on air. And since you're the only person among this group currently going through this process, being an engaged person, getting ready for a wedding, I wanted your vantage point on this. Jesse, who is married, mother of children. Yes. Mother of children. Mother of, she is a mother of children. Mother of dragons. She's, she has passed through the marriage Small portion. Dragons. I'm really bad at explaining like <laughs> marriage and childbirth. It's a real blind spot yeah, for your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that to be said, Jesse's already gone through the wedding process, and she was saying going through her process, she actually could not be bothered with any of the minutia of planning. That all actually fell on her husband. He was in charge of table settings, of flower arrangements, of all the different things. Yes. Jesse, you were basically just in charge of what? Food and dance? Food and dance. And then um, I was straight up ghosting our wedding planner, just like <laughs> not responding to emails. Like meetings were being had and they were like, the bride's not in the meetings. She also won't answer our phone calls. So my husband was like, all right, well, I'm jumping in. To be fair, he's the one that wanted the big wedding, so I don't really feel bad about that. I mean, talk about a role reversal. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a guy. That's yep. the groom. I mean, what time do I have to be there, and when can I crack the first beer? But that you know, was That's kind of where we are. That was me. That's Jesse. Yeah, my <laughs> photographer also got a great shot of me. We were taking photos. We were talking about, this came up because we were talking about taking headshots, and I was saying I don't like having my photo taken. And during the like cocktail hour, we were doing photos, and there's just a photo of me chugging a margarita like my life depends on it. It's like, it's like pouring down my face. Like, oh. yeah. My husband's looking at me like, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you so stressed out about this? Yeah. I did all the work here. Yeah. But Charlotte, saved my life. Charlotte, where have you been <laughs> on the wedding planning process for you guys here? I am much more in line with Jesse. Also, I like the image of Jesse with like a salt, a margarita salt, like all over her nose. Yep. Just like, <laughs> totally. Mm -hmm. that, no, that's, I think that, um, you know, it, it, some people feel like the wedding is the thing. And I so respect that. And I'm a little jealous of that because I'm like Jesse. I'm like, I don't, I, I can't like, get into the full. So we're actually doing something pretty small um, because, you know, my fiance and I both sort of fall on that spectrum. So we're like, and I, I remember like during COVID seeing people get married in these small, lovely groups and being like, oh, I, that's, that seems great. And now I'm like, I don't think you need a global pandemic to get married the way you want to get married. I was like, that's pretty dark. So let's, uh, let's try to do this in a way that feels a little bit less stressful because it, it you realize 
I didn't realize. You realize very quickly just how stressful the whole big thing becomes. I mean, it's like sports, right? Like everybody's watching you. You've got to perform. It's a whole. I could go on and on, Ooh. but nobody. Weddings nobody aren't really that. for you, though, right? Like at least I agree with you, and I think that is so beautiful. And please do that. Like it's you are doing it, but stick to that <laughs> goal because yeah, my parents were like well, we got friends, we want to come to this thing. Like, you're getting married, right. our first kid getting married. So it quickly becomes like, well, it's for your grandparents and your parents and you know. This yeah. is this is foreign to me because I live in a household between my wife and my daughter where getting ready for their wedding was the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I mean, my daughter got married two Aprils ago, April of 22, out in Arizona where we, where we were living as well. And my wife planned it with Sydney. I mean, the the classic, we're doing all the work. You know, Ben, the husband, was not really involved in everything. I wasn't involved in anything outside of paying all the bills. To which, to the point where during the reception, everything went off without oh, a yeah. hitch. Without a hitch. Wedding, reception, it was beautiful. My wife, probably way too many, you know, drinks in. It only takes about two for mine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> tweeted out. I am the Bill Belichick of wedding planners. <laughs> I mean, Remember that? Yes, yeah, she yeah. was so happy with how it all turned out. I mean, her and Sydney, my daughter, were so into it. So it's so wild hearing this perspective. But well, in fairness to the Golick family, we all know that Christine's is the brains behind the whole operation yeah. and the producer yeah. of everything good that ever happens. So yes, that is how that is how she, she's actually the Bill Belichick of just everything in general mm -hmm. um so shout out you know this feels like an appropriate week to to talk about who's really doing the the heavy lifting that's a good point truer words never spoken yeah. charlotte thank you for saving us from ourselves yeah. and getting that shameless <laughs> yeah. plug yeah. for my mom in there charlotte the arbiter by the way historically of what is and is not sports in and around the world of sports charlotte very clearly it sounds like weddings are sports oh yeah i mean look you got everybody sits around and watches to, you know, you got two sides, right? The bride side sits on one side, the groom <laughs> side sits on, like, you, I, I think it would be hilarious to have a wedding where everybody comes in jerseys of, like, you can tell, you know, like, someone has a Viking hat on and it says, you know, like, who, get, like Smith on the back and then someone comes and there's the cheese head and it says Jones and they're like, sh you know, talking trash at each other. I, I caught myself. <laughs> yeah, did. We well almost had our first well done of the new show. Incredible. I didn't do it. Charlotte um, Wilder, yeah, remarkable the, restraint. Know, yeah, thank you so much. I'm trying really hard to be good. <laughs> you know what? You know. I can, and I could save us all from ourselves here as we're going to talk about the actual arena of sports here in a second on Gojo <laughs> and Golik. Brought to you by Wrangler. Made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. And uh, everyone looking to save right now as we've got cut down day going on in the NFL uh, yesterday. Seeing a lot of the roster moves come out. We will certainly get to a number of very interesting, perplexing yeah. moves, especially locally here if you are a fan of the New England Patriots. But probably the biggest bit of news that we were all waiting to see coming down to Tuesday was the status of Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts. Their star running back who had been on the pup list for the majority of training camp and who had been given permission to seek a trade partner during camp 
We got the news Tuesday, courtesy of ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter, that the Colts had not felt like they had received an offer with adequate compensation for Jonathan Taylor. And so he will not only remain with the team, but also remain on the pup list, Dad, which means he's going to miss the first four games of this season. And we sort of kicked the can down the road of what does Jonathan Taylor's role look like with this team going forward now? Well, I mean, from, from the side of football, he's gone. It's like when you get injured, right? Which yeah. is, he's on the pup list, so it's, it's based off an injury. But he is not there for the first four games, so he is basically a ghost to that team. You know who can't worry about them? Anybody on the coaching staff and any of the players on the team. Because no matter what, they're playing four games without him. So from that side of it, he's gone. It's put aside. You had all the work leading up to this point. Now there's not, and, I, and I'm sure they were aware if the trade didn't go through that he was going to stay on the pup list. So they've been going without him for a while now. They're going to be going with Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, and a rookie. Zach Evan Moss, Hall. who's still recovering from that broken arm he it, suffered it, in exactly, training camp, too. It, exactly. So I don't know what the future holds for him. They have until the trade deadline, which I believe is Halloween. Yeah, October, October 31st. 31st. So mm-hmm. to try and get a deal done. If not, we go through this next year. Do they try and tag him again next year? Does he not want to sign the tag next year? And we have all this fun all over again. But right now, in all honesty, the Colts don't give a damn about him because he can't affect not only the first game, but the first four games. So that's all they're concerned about right he now. He can't affect in the game plan, but the lack of Jonathan Taylor out there is absolutely an effect on this team. You just mentioned and looked at all the players they're talking about here. Deion Jackson, Evan Hole, who's a rookie. Zach Moss, who I don't think has ever rushed for more than 500 or 600 yards during his time in the NFL. So you're talking about a decided drop-off in production behind an offensive line that was Jekyll and Hyde the last two years, right? 2021 helped block for Jonathan Taylor, who led the NFL in rushing that year. 2022, it was a disaster up front for them, albeit with quarterbacks that were a lot less mobile than the rookie and Anthony Richardson they're about to bring in, who should help on his own. Some of the ills for this offense, we expect under Shane Steichen, right? You're going to use a ton of RPOs like you did last year in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. You're going to run the quarterback a bunch, which helps out the offensive line in front of you. Absolutely. But you lose that potent threat of a known commodity, a running back, in a way that, I don't know, I'll be fascinated to see. And in the current running back conversation, it'll be really relevant. What kind of effect does this have so on the Colts So you do offense? have that, but you know what Shane Sykin has never had? Jonathan Taylor in the backfield of his offense on his new team with the Colts. So he's never dealt with them. He's only dealt with these other running backs. So that's what he's used to. So we see with the production of Taylor, and I know they're going to miss it. But, I, but he's a better running back no, than no, all the guys I, I completely named, agree so. with that. But for, for Shane Steichen, I'm just looking at, at issues. Say Jonathan Taylor was there in practice, and boom, right before week one he gets hurt. Now you're like, God, this is a guy we've been practicing with the whole time. He's not there. Sure. Shane's had the other backs. That's who he's working with outside of Zach Moss getting freed up from the, from the broken arm. Arm, but Shane has, has never had Jonathan Taylor. While they're better with Jonathan Taylor, he's had plenty of time now leading up to the season to work with others and get this offense integrated with other running backs. True, yeah, he, he hasn't had to absorb this as a loss. We talk about this all the time with injury where, you know, in an even more micro version, if you have a guy get injured within the body of a game and you've built your game plan around him all week and you've had him in mind, it's a lot more damning than if a guy gets injured on right. Tuesday yes. and you know he's going to be out and you can right. plan for it. So they've been able to plan for this. And it, it, this is a shame, Charlotte, because everything that happens now with the running back feels like it's an indictment of the entire conversation, right? And so right, wrong, or indifferent, people are going to use the results of what happens without Jonathan Taylor in this first four games as yet another mark in the ledger either for or against running backs overall. 
Totally. I mean, I think that something that you've I've talked about this before with you guys, it, it really bums me out the market. And, and I and I think that that's something that a lot of people feel. But I, I feel like at some point, something's going to have to give like either the, the pay is going to have to increase or it, it's like we're headed towards some sort of reckoning. And I think that the Jonathan Taylor stuff Yes, it's one guy. It's one instance. I mean, it was after he had his meeting with Jim Ursay that he was like, I think I want to trade, which, you know, <laughs> I sort of understand that. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think that no matter what happens with him, it is a little bit of an indictment because they, if, team, if the Colts didn't get offers that they thought were valuable for Jonathan Taylor then like where does that leave everyone else and and i think that that's hopefully hopefully something happens with him where where there is a, a value that they deem great and he's happy with it but it just feels like things are getting sort of more and more dire in the in the running back conversation and it's something that offenses need so i i, I feel like i feel like something's got to give at some point no well, it does, but the, that's the million-dollar question: is what's going to give? What what right. can happen to change the valuation and bring the running game and the running back position back to where it was a while ago? I, I don't know what that is. The only thing that comes to mind is I've talked about this with you, Mike. Defenses are smaller and spread out more for the pass. So if you start running the ball more to try and take advantage of that, does that help bring the running back back? But right now we found out you're not getting a first rounder for a running back, right? Yep. Uh, that, that's what the Colts wanted they didn't get it so you're not getting that which to be clear while they got more picks in this you wouldn't even get a first rounder for Christian McCaffrey no you would not trade it from the Panthers exactly to the 49ers right. exactly a team right. that was in the best position to make use of him for the guy that's arguably the best running back in the league right now and probably is you couldn't even get a true first round pick there so, so. what's going to change it we kept talking about the quarterback position and fully guaranteed deal saying what quarterback is going to draw that line in the sand was it going to be Lamar Jackson? No, it wasn't going to be Lamar Jackson. Justin Herbert? No. Joe Burrow? I don't think he's going to do that either. So that's going by the wayside. Owners win. Deshaun Watson deal was an outlier, not a precedent setter. So what happens for the running back position now? Who gets that deal? Do we have to wait till Brees Hall, though he's coming off of an injury, he was going to be the offensive rookie of the year? Is it going to be Bashawn Robinson and what he's able to do with the start of his career in Atlanta? At this point, I don't know what's going to turn, turn around the foundation for the running backs and, and bring that pay up. You mentioned it. Injury is a huge part of all the conversations we've had about the guys like Saquon Barkley this offseason. Like we talk, we're talking about right now with, uh, with uh, the quarterback's situation with Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis. is He's on the pup list right now. We weren't sure for a while if that was gamesmanship, if it's still gamesmanship, or if he's truly dealing with that ankle injury. You've also got, and this is the other thing, Charlotte, is everything keeps changing around these guys in the league. You've got not just a control here of, well, what does Jonathan Taylor look like or this offense look like when you remove him? It's the offense is completely changing. Before, it was built around him. That was how the Colts wanted to win, was running the ball on defense and just slotting old quarterbacks in to do the rest. Now they're changing the offense completely to account for what we're seeing more and more around the league. Quarterbacks who can help you spread the entire field, use their legs to also influence what you're going to see and, and what that turns the offense into going forward. And that's an effect on the running back without them even being on the field that all of a sudden we've got to account for. So we'll have plenty more time to get into the rest of the situation around Jonathan Taylor as now, like Dad said, he gets put on ice for four weeks and we get ready to watch yep. them play football. Jesse, there are more names around the NFL that are also going to be looking for jobs 
in different ways here after cutdown day. Who are some of the notable uh, losses that we've seen on rosters so far? Yeah, we got some pretty notable ones. Um, Bradley Roby, Saints cutting him, Broncos trading. The kicker market was hot, huh? Yeah, we yeah. saw a lot of action yeah. there. That was pretty crazy. A little um, Lutzy reunion with Sean Payton in Yeah, Denver. he kicked for the Saints for six seasons, so Sean Payton said, let's bring this guy back. Um, Deion Jones getting cut by the Panthers, but the Pats. Charlotte, my God. I mean, the quarterback room is desolate. There is just, there's like a tumbleweed rolling through right now as we speak. I, okay. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm a Patriots fan here. So I'm, I'm looking at the news yesterday and it's like, oh, okay. So the court, so the Patriots cut Bailey Zappi. Um, I'm blanking. What's Cunningham? Malik, Malik, Malik Cunningham. Malik, yeah. Malik, Cunningham. Yeah. Malik Cunningham. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, love that we're all in on Mac Jones. That's so fun for everybody. And, and I'm not being sarcastic. I actually think he's great. I'm hopeful. But yeah, people have speculated maybe Mac Jones wants a veteran in the locker room. He loved having Brian Hoyer around. Okay, so maybe they're going to go get some guy who's who we all know from, you know, the 10 different teams he's played on. But... What happens if Mac Jones gets hurt, which happened before, and Bailey Zappi came in and won both of the games he started? He played phenomenally. He looked like Mac Jones. He might have bit what? Like, why wouldn't you want a clone of your of your core of your starting quarterback just waiting around? I don't know. I think for me, like, look, I know Belichick is the dark lord of football, but I believe that a lot more when he had Tom Brady. And and I hope I'm meeting my words. I hope that. In, a, in, you know, a month, I'm like, okay, Bill's still got it, but he sort of has a lot to prove this season. Like, making these kinds of moves is like, all right, that's great when we all think you walk on water, but for the past few seasons, you haven't. So you've got to prove that this makes sense because... I used to, when I used to be confused by things the Patriots did, I'd be like, oh, what? it's Belichick. He's right. a genius. What, yep. And now I'm like, I'm like, is he? I don't, and yeah, it, smarter than I am, but like... Well, well, I don't the, know, guys. That, that, that's exactly where we are, though. Is Bill Belichick always got the benefit of the doubt, you know. But then all of a sudden, no offensive coordinator who's running the show on offense and not, not making the playoffs. So you start to question a little more. You still want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but what is the plan here? Because it would make sense to have a veteran behind him. Malik Cunningham is going to come, is going to be back, I think, whether it's on the practice squad or that yeah. emergency quarterback. I think he's going to be back, but no veteran here to help out. I you. Charlotte mentioned Brian Hoyer. Yeah. 37 years old, by the way. Brian yeah. Hoyer lurking out here, continuing to draw paychecks for people in the Belichick coaching tree. Anyone know where Brian Hoyer is right now? Anyone know where Brian Absolutely Hoyer not. is right now? No. no. Brian no Hoyer idea, is Mike. the backup quarterback for former Patriot assistant Josh McDaniel in Las Vegas oh. behind Jimmy Garoppolo. And you do wonder Perfect. if, because Aiden O'Connell played so well this preseason, right. maybe Bill can pick up the phone and make a little call. But speaking of waving goodbye, Angels, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> Brought to you by Wrangler. Jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. Be ready for those cooler days and longer nights in styles that keep you warm and keep you comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere. At work, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. Casual tees, snaps, and button-ups, or layer them together for a little of both. And don't forget the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. 
Add some Wrangler to your getup with jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great, so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use the promo code GOJO15. Wrangler, for the ride of life. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. There are no more angels in the outfield. Um, <laughs> the angels placed everyone on waivers yesterday. Guys, this is crazy. Look at this list. They had just acquired a couple of these dudes at like a month ago at the trade deadline in hopes of making a postseason run. You know, they went all in with Shohei. They acquired all these guys. Here they, here we go. They're going to make a run. And now they're just having a nightmare-fueled August. Uh, I mean, I want to say where do they go from here, but it just feels full collapse mode to me. Well, it, it, it makes... Everybody wonders, should they have, you know, tried to trade Shohei Otani when they had the chance before the trade deadline? They decided to go for it. I will never have a problem with a team trying to go for it. Yeah. Okay, you got the two of the best players in the league. I know Trout has, was on the, in, uh, the DL, came off, went back on. Uh, I, I get it, but if they're going to go for it, they know eventually these two are going to be broken up. I have zero problem with them going for it. Could it have blown up anymore? They had the worst <laughs> since the trade deadline when they went for this thing. They're 7-18, the worst record in Major League Baseball. They're now 12 and a half out of the wild card spot. And now they have a guy in Shoei Otani who at least they won't have to pay $600 million. But still, he's damaged goods with a pitching career, probably on the clock, still a great hitter. But this just absolutely blew up in their face. But I, I, I'm still, I guess that's a competitiveness you know, from, from the players in the sport, I'm glad they were trying to go for it. And, and, and especially going for it with the idea of retaining this generational yeah. superstar right, in right. mind. The whole idea was, we're going to show Shohei Itani we're actually a serious organization. And to quote Logan Roy, life looked back at the Angels and said, you are not serious people. <laughs> and Charlotte, watching this disintegrate in front of them, and then what this move means, right? The thought is, the Angels could save about $7 million, right, which right. might get them below the competitive balance right, tax threshold, which yeah. then would get them a compensatory pick in the second round as opposed four. to the fourth right. round if Shohei Itani walks in free agency this offseason. Charlotte, this kind of feels like waving the white flag on a number of fronts here if you're the Angels. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't quite understand how you have, as you said, a generational talent in Shohei Otani, who is doing things that we just don't see. I mean, he's, it's like he could probably pitch to himself and hit a home run. Like, if you told me that Shohei did that, I would not be surprised. So, 
the fact that the angels also with Mike Trout, two generational talents, the fact that they've had these guys and have managed to just fail so completely so many times. And now they're like, this is the year we're going to make it to the postseason. We're going to make it far in the postseason. Shohei gets hurt. And it, it, it sort of blows my mind. It's one of those things where you want to think that the people in charge know better than you do. You want to think that they're like, no, they, I might not get it, but like they've got a plan and I have to trust in that plan. With the Angels, it's like, I don't know that they ever had a plan. And now any plan that they had, it is. It's the white flag. And I can't think of a more perfect quote than the Logan Roy, you are not serious people, because... How do you blow that? How do you do it this badly? Like, I would, I think you'd have to try hard. You know what? And I feel bad for the Angels because they couldn't control the injury no, portion could of not. this. No, they could never no. do that. You couldn't, I mean, you maybe could have seen the value proposition. And we talked to Jared Krapis on the show after the deadline, and he said, this was a bad move. They should have gotten what they could for Shohei Itani because if you looked at this team and analyzed them with a clear view, in a vacuum, you would say, this is probably not a team destined to make the postseason or accomplish the kinds of things they want to dare. Dad, I get the point of, man, you got to at least try. You don't want to go down to use a really ham-fisted baseball metaphor. You don't want to go down in the Shohei Itani at bat with the bat on your back watching the ball go past right. you in the plate. You want to take a cut at this thing, but... There is that worry there, and now you wonder with Shohei, is there a reason for him to play anymore this season based on what the Angels have just signaled here? Do you shut that down even though he had been hitting? I think in his first series since the tear went 3-9 and against the Mets in that right. series. Do you continue playing if you're so Shohei? So he's a guy that wants to keep playing. Remember, they wanted to do an image of his elbow before they saw the tear, and he didn't want to get it. That dude just wants to go play. So there, it would be equivalent in football of taking the player's helmet away and saying, dude, you're done. You know, we're, we're, you're, you're done. Well, we're not going to put you I wonder if he reevaluates po- after this, I'm saying. It, like, the team clearly looks at this situation and says, all right, we're thinking about the future here. If you're Shohei, you're already hurt. You're coming up on your free agency offseason. Why would you go out there and risk anything else well, happening that might potentially hurt let, your value? Let's also be honest here. If they, made, if they didn't make these moves, they're 12 and a half back from the last wild card spot. Do we realistically think they had a shot anyway? And he was going out there and he was playing. So even if they didn't waive all these players, they weren't going to make the playoffs. And he was out there playing. I think he just is a guy that wants to play. Now, from the Angels' side, was it knee-jerk to say just what you talked about? Save the $7 million this month. Does it get you under the, 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 the tax cap to where you could get more for Shoei if he leaves? Was it too much of a knee-jerk instead of saying, we want to continue to try to sign Shohei, which probably is going to save anybody a couple hundred million dollars if, he, if his pitching uh, days are on the clock. Should we have hung on to some of these guys that we waived for our team next year if our plan is to keep Shohei Otani instead of knee-jerking and waving these six guys? So I, I don't know. It's like, did they did they compound one move with a, with a bad move over the top, Charlotte? That, that, that's the one thing I'm wondering. Well, I just feel like so much of the Angels' DNA and and sort of per, their their whole personality is Shohei Otani and like has been. And I would love to hear from if you're an Angels fan listening out there, um, tweet at me or Instagram at me or whatever you know, fa- face smash at me um, <laughs> about how, how like I want to know how Angels fans feel right now because for me. As someone from the outside, very, very not ingrained in Angels culture, I'm like, it feels like when Shohei leaves or if he's hurt and isn't playing and then he leaves, it's sort of like, 
what do we have here? And I wonder how much Angels fans are tied to the Angels winning with Shohei or how much they'd be like, cool, get rid of him. This doesn't make sense for the team because so much of what we've heard about the Angels has really been like, look at this phenom. So I, I almost feel like it's two different conversations. It's it's the Angels winning and then it's the Angels with Shohei. And, and what does that do for the fan base? The problem is the Angels have never really done much winning since Shohei yeah. got there. They have failed to make the postseason and at least yeah. they've had an interesting thing about them. We talk about that all the time with teams and the Angels, while technically Los Angeles Angels, so you can't call them a small market team, have that sort of feel where this is the only draw you've had. Because Mike Trout, while he's been stellar, yeah. doesn't attract in the same way. Both of them are guys you don't largely hear a lot from. But at least with Shohei, it was such an oddity versus Mike Trout was just good at the one thing and so good at a level that we hardly ever but see. But he stayed. Remember, he stayed too. Yeah, but, he's, but he stayed. And he seems to largely want to be left alone. I think the bigger question is here, do we need to give the Angels more credit for being one of the most dysfunctional or inept franchises in all of sports? Because I feel like they're so off to the side, forget them the Jets credit. Like, we think about this with the Jets. Like, if you're a Jets fan, you're thrilled right now. You have a chance to do the funniest thing on earth, which is be Jets-level bad with Aaron Rodgers yeah. and Dalvin Cook and the super team you've put together to remind people, oh, you think the Angels are bad for squandering two, not one, but two generational talents in their time here. We, the Jets, will bring over future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers and find a way to screw this up royally. Maybe we need to start giving the Angels more credit for being And, and they had Shoei and Trout from the beginning, right? Yeah. I mean, the Jets had to bring in Aaron Rodgers. They had him from the beginning. I think we all thought if either one of those guys was going to be part of a World Series team, it wasn't going to be with the Angels. But, but again, I... I I guess I'll always applaud a team for trying. Now, does it make the most business sense? That's why I'm not sitting in a managerial position, I mean management position, to make these decisions because I would always want to go for it, but you have to find that fine line. Just like Jerry Carabas said on this show, they, they, they should have got rid of him. Like I said, the only positive from the side of the guy writing checks is he'll have to write a smaller check for Shoei Otani if he wants to keep him now because he's not going to get that $600 million deal. Could be only like three fifty. dollars is I what somehow Jared have to said s- yesterday. Sneak by yeah. on that, right? Really sad he yeah. could be only getting about $350 million, Please so. lift our large adult son Shohei up yeah. in prayer yeah. as he has to deal with the Angels franchise <laughs> constantly coming up underneath him. I feel like this segment's just been one big meme because his dad sits there and lauds the Angels for trying. All I can think of is the Simpsons meme dropping the cake into the garbage. Well, you tried because yeah. that's about all the Angels are going to get. Sorry. We will see if any of that gives them a better chance of bringing Shohei back in free agency. But coming up next, you know it's the NBA offseason when we're starting to get workout videos. The bad man is back and he says he's ready to go. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus, 21 plus in certain states to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, guys, we're in the heat of the summer and you need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality, polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great looking, Polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks, and use code GOLIC for free shipping on your order. Everybody, you are watching Gojo and Golik. Charlotte Wilder is here, so obviously we need to talk some NBA. And Ben Simmons has given us plenty to dissect here. He told Mark Spears of his offseason, I put so much work in and I know where I'm at. Give me another month until training camp. I'm blessed to have that time. I feel I'm going to have less time, but I'm using each day as an opportunity to get better. There's no other option. People ask me, there's no other option. I have to kill. That's all I can do. Ooh. This dude, oh my God. one of the most okay. controversial players in the NBA, just an absolute lightning rod, coming out and just being like, I'm a killer, I'm ready to go, which is absolutely not what we've seen from him in years. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to do with this other than to shake my head and shout this league because Charlotte, as someone who you know, covers on a basketball podcast here, Oddball, that everyone can check out as a part of the DraftKings network with me and El Hassan, I feel like this is the ebb and flow of the NBA offseason where every year we see somebody attempting to come back from their circumstances, release workout videos where they're making shots in a way they traditionally haven't, and I don't know if anyone's led the league in this more than Ben Simmons as of the last few years, Charlotte. Are you buying it this time? Is it somehow going to be different now? As he says, his back is 100% and he's ready to go. I mean, I think I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Look, I think everyone has been so hard on Ben Simmons. And I get it. You know, Philly fans were oh. – he. there was the – for those who might not remember, everyone in Philly is like, Screw you. Um, ben Simmons in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2021, instead of going up for a dunk, passed to Matisse Tybel, and then Tybel, he got fouled, missed three free, uh, two of the three free throws, and the Sixers lost. But the Sixers also blew a 25 point lead in game five of that series. And then this year, Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP, I have some stats here, not to get too mathy on everybody. Um, Embiid averaged 33.1 points per game during the regular season. In the playoffs, his point average dropped to 23.7, which is the biggest drop from regular season to postseason by an MVP in NBA history. So I think, I think Ben Simmons was an easy guy to pin a lot of this on for Philly. And I think afterwards, after that game seven, when Doc Rivers was like, I don't know if Ben's the guy, and Joel Embiid was throwing some shade, it, it felt to me like... This is a very easy person to blame things on. And and as Simmons says in that in that article, he's he was like, It's not like I've done nothing. Let's see here. Yeah. He 
What did he do? He did a lot. Um, the three-time yeah, NBA yeah, All-Star, three, I believe, three, a member of the All-NBA defensive team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like, I'm not bad. Like, why are we? And, and so I think, I really hope we see that from Ben Simmons this year. I know that workout videos are an off-season joke. I know that everybody says they're going to come back. I think the way he phrased it is pretty funny. Like, I have to kill. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah. You uh, don't, you don't. No. He also attacked yeah. himself. He basically said, I would have beaten my myself last year. Mm-hmm. I would have beaten the bleep out of myself, the player I well, was last year with he, the player I am listen, now. Listen, I, I, I think maybe a lot of people have forgotten what he has accomplished as the number one pick in 2016. He was rookie of the year. After missing a year, he, it was then the following yeah. year, but it was still considered a rookie, rookie of the year. As we mentioned, three all-stars, uh, first team, uh, all-defensive team, third team, all-NBA. But he got hit with the tag Mike, that you well know that any athlete that hits with the tag when they say you're soft. And then you multiply that by playing in Philly and having that moniker. Yeah, I'm going to say, you you played there a long time. You know what those people are about. Most of my NFL career in Philly, that is a group, okay? That is a group (laughs) that will get on you um, if you're not at least playing hard. And that was the thought process that Ben Simmons was soft Physically and mentally, and I know we're in a different place now. Yeah. We're dealing with people and their mental state of where they are in sport. But that was the that was what was said out there, right? He was weak or he was soft, and and once you get that, it is difficult to come out of that one. So I give him credit right now, and I know we're in the air, and I, Aaron, I still have to get used to the fact that everybody has to show their workout video. We don't think you're working out unless you show us. I mean. Yeah. To, to me, the best thing you can do is play really well during the season. I don't give a damn about your offseason and your workouts and your working out. At, we've seen some videos of other players working out at 3 in the morning. Who gives a damn? Rise and grind, baby. I, I, I don't We're, care. I can say, me, Jesse, you know? and Charlotte are children of the rise and grind yeah, era, man. I, just, yeah. I, times. I, I don't well, care if, you, if you're playing a sport somewhere. I know you're probably working out, okay? I'm not going to look at your workout tape and go, wow, he's working out. No kidding, he's working out. But real quick, Charlotte, what I'll say is I'm, I'm happy he's recognized this, that he's busted his butt, and he has a chance to kind of change the thought process about him. I do give him credit for that. All the workout tape and all the interviews you can do and say what you want. Let's see when the season starts. Let's see what kind of player we got. I will say, though, you you basically said picks or it doesn't happen, Mike. And as someone who doesn't really work out and doesn't post her workouts, I feel like maybe you do have to post it. (laughs) Maybe maybe they have a point. I'm just saying. I do enjoy a good Nick Chubb off-season squat video. Well, that's true. I guess the caveat should be. Don't post your workouts unless you're doing something really cool. Yeah. If you're doing something yeah, really cool or really strong, then I'm interested. That's to a see good it. point. That's so a really good point. That's the caveat to your rule. Yeah, you're today. running 22 miles on the on the one treadmill, right. or you're squatting six, seven hundred pounds. Cool. Show it all you want. Yeah. I'm in. Please do the freaky strong I, thing here. Yeah. But. I did like when uh, Tyler Hero just posted the video of him hitting a bunch of threes, and everyone in Miami is like, oh, no, we don't want Damian Lillard anymore. Yeah. Let's keep this guy. <laughs> I know. 
Oh, the off-season <laughs> shooting videos that show Amazing. up are the best because it's either in a gym alone where you watch any NBA player in warm-ups, you're reminded how much better they are at just shooting the yes. basketball than the rest of us. It's the fact that you've got defenders, but in the off-season videos, if they've got defenders, it's like the guys that Zion played high school basketball against who are all like five foot six white yeah, guys yeah, yeah. out there just <laughs> never going to dream or of even like blocking it's like Adam Sandler outside at a, you know, like I mean, a, he can hoop, though. He can hoop. He can he hoop. Adam do Sandler it. can hoop. If Ben Simmons goes out and does it in an off season video against Adam Sandler, big time stock up. We need help producing <laughs> these videos here. But Dad, your point about why Ben Simmons got judged, and Charlotte, you mentioned the way that we treated Ben Simmons. I think a lot of that does have to do with he wasn't good in the ways that we demand you right. be good right. as a superstar player, especially in the NBA. And we've seen this even happen to an extent with LeBron. Absolutely, he doesn't we have. get the credit for being a scorer that others get yep. because it doesn't look like Michael Jordan, the late Kobe Bryant, where you're a tough shot maker. You do it in the clutch in the ways that people deem more excellent than going down and using your physical ability. And for Ben Simmons, who also got that tag coming in as the next LeBron James yep. ability-wise because he was big, he was a great facilitator, he was so physical as a guard, as a guy handling the ball. When you have that as the backdrop and then you just come in and you're an elite defender, you're great at distributing the basketball, but you also maybe don't in that city play in a way that's particularly uh, tough in their eyes. Yeah, right, because again, right. I think part of this is we also undersell how difficult it is dealing with back injuries. Like he mentioned, going back those number of years to when he originally hurt his back. Dad, you know, I mean, you've watched me, my younger brother Jake deal with back injuries. That affects everything that you do. And for all the things that Ben Simmons did so well at his size, I think we really undervalued how big an impact I, that has on all I of I agree this. with that because he caught a lot some shade for not playing for his home country in Australia. But if he said, I was, I was never really feeling good enough, and I would never blame a guy if he's nicked up, if he can't play for his country. It's a bummer. I'm sure he'd like to, and he's talking about playing in the Olympics. But you're right. The expectation of Ben Simmons, and you don't see many NBA players who – get the yips when they and they won't shoot a three, right? So yeah. it's just some things like, because you're right about LeBron. If there was a last shot, Kobe was taken and Michael Jordan was taken. If they're saying, I'm taking the last shot, LeBron has been saying, I'm going to find the person who can take the best shot for the last shot. It might be me and it might be somebody else. And that's foreign to a lot of people who have watched Kobe and Michael Jordan and other great shooters going back uh, decades. But Ben Simmons, like I said, he's, he's working. The, and, and I'm not going to think much of it till we see on the court what's yeah. going on. You can say all you want. You can put all the videos you want out. But let, let's see what kind of redemption tour he has. I will say I don't want to make this sound like we're absolving Ben Simmons of any role right. in yeah. all of this because he's certainly played a part in all this. I'd imagine there might be a reason your teammates and coaches feel as comfortable dishing on you publicly as they were there in Philadelphia, even if I disagreed with that as a tact. So we'll wait and see until it becomes more than workout videos. But coming up, let's talk about someone else who said they might have some regrets about things that have transpired in the last couple of years. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Gold. Wrapping up hour number one with our bud Charlotte Wilder. And let's talk about regret. We have uh, the NFL's preseason wrapping up here. We talked about a number of people named starters at quarterback. That's always the hot conversation around the league. One that was pretty interesting was Sam Howell. Pretty much going wire to wire this offseason is the number one quarterback for the Washington Commanders and Ron Rivera. You've got Eric Bieniemy coming over and instituting a new offense. And this was interesting, Dad, Ron Rivera coming out as they're talking about him in the lead-up to this season. And he went back to last year. Sam Howell got to start the last game of the season, right. I believe, against the Cowboys. Right. And went and performed pretty well after yet another tumultuous quarterback season for the Commies. And he said he was driving home talking to his wife and talked about how he regretted not letting Sam Howell go out there and play earlier, seeing what he had in this player now. Is that something that raises a red flag for you at all as far as Ron Rivera and his evaluation and handling of this position since he's been in Washington? I was a little surprised because I have talked to coaches who have seen the quarterback start to evolve in practice, what they're putting them through in practice and say, I see something in that guy in practice. Again, things we don't get to see. But again, coaches who I've talked to have said, yeah, that's where I saw maybe the light come on and saw what we could have. So it was a little surprising to me because you see the guy every day, right, what he's throwing, whether he's throwing show team for the other team, he's still throwing passes. And you're kind of seeing what they do uh, in practice. So I was a little surprised at that. I will say this preseason of of non-established quarterbacks, I thought, and, and when I say this one name, He's the starter and was always going to be, but he was, wasn't established. I thought Sam Howell and Jordan Love looked yeah. the best this preseason yeah. of two guys looking to now become the starters, Charlotte, and be the guy and just how well they played there. But, yeah, overall, going back to Mike's question, I was a little surprised that Ron Rivera was surprised that, oh, maybe I should have played this guy earlier. Yeah, I think that there might be something to do with the brand of a quarterback, though. I mean, Sam Howell played at UNC. He was great there, but then a lot of the pieces around him left. Yep. And UNC, yes, great school, but it's it not what you think of when you think of, like, the the place that quarterbacks come from, um, historically, at least in this era of college football that we're in. And I think that... There is so much pressure in the NFL to get it right. There's so much pressure to win that I think a name like Sam Howell, you're going to really have to be sure. Like, I think Ron Rivera probably felt like this is a name that maybe not as many people who aren't diehard college football fans are familiar with. So I better be right. And maybe he waited too long. You know, maybe he played it too safe there. Um, 
Also, Mike, I like the Washington Commies because it sounds like you're saying the Washington Communists, which is yeah. like so the opposite of the NFL. <laughs> just like a yeah, really I heard that, and I was yeah. like, let's it's, make that happen. It's yeah. a reminder that, that they need to change the name back to the football team. Yeah, it was an objectively better name. Yep. I'm hoping that new ownership will explore that possibility yeah. there. But yeah, I mean, he's Sam Howell is the eighth different quarterback to start in Ron Rivera's tenure with the Washington Commanders. And the way this franchise has mismanaged that position, Dad, Ron Rivera's job is likely going to be oh, tied to the performance of Sam Howell now, who's a former, I believe, fifth-round pick, is, trying yes. to digest a new offense here, and should have gone to him earlier. I mean, what about the Taylor Heineke, Ryan, uh, Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz experience from last year, going back to last summer, that trade to acquire Carson Wentz, seems more and more, we talked about a lot of dysfunctional franchises today, like a move indicative of a franchise that for so long was rudderless that now, because Dan Snyder is no longer there, feels like they've got a new lease on life and has seen this quarterback play pretty well through the course of the preseason. He's going to be in an offense that I think makes use of more of the things he yeah. did under Phil Longo, who's now at Wisconsin, but was the coordinator for him at North Carolina, was the coordinator for Drake May last year as well, that's going to give him a little bit more space, allow him to make use of some of his tools, both as a runner and a passer, right. and maybe give them a shot this year in a Washington team that's very interesting inside a real juggernaut of a decision. Well, it's a Washington team that, let's be honest, led by their defense, right? Two years yes. ago on, on paper, this defense was one of the best in the league, and they underperformed. Last year, they started living up a little more to what they're supposed to do, and they're going to rely heavily on them as, even though Sam Howell won the job, he's got one start of experience in the NFL, so you're going to need the defense here to help out. Yep, but I like what I like that they're finally settled on this. Absolutely wish they'd have gone to him sooner. And with the guy you took a flyer on at that position, with the production you were getting elsewhere last year, I see no reason why you shouldn't have yep. gone to him much earlier to try and get a look. Uh, but speaking of naming starters, while we've got Charlotte Wilder here, who while she covers basketball now, has spent the last few years on the road covering college football, we finally got some news, Jesse, out of Buckeye country about who's going to be under center week one for them against IU. Yeah, we had a lengthy offseason quarterback competition, but Kyle McCord has been named Ohio State's starter against Indiana on Saturday. So Buckeyes coach Ryan Day delivered the message yesterday. Here's what he had to say. Um, I think that's you know, significant that we that we have two guys that we feel confident playing in a game. This is something that's a little uncharted territory for me, but um, you just go on what you see every day in practice. And um, I think that Kyle's consistency the last couple of weeks has allowed him to be the starter. He deserves that. But I also think uh, Devin deserves to play in the game as well. So um, how much all that, that's still to be determined, but, but we've at least come up with that uh, conclusion here. So not exactly like a a stirring, you know, like, this is our guy. He's like, yeah, they're both going to play. We'll see what happens. Doesn't feel um, very decided there. And this is not an easy task for Ohio State looking to replace last season starter C.J. Stroud, who obviously was the number two selection in the NFL draft. Uh, guys, I don't know. Big shoes to fill, obviously. How do we feel about this, like, not exactly rousing endorsement uh, here as we name our starter. Well, I, I think you can get away with that because you play Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky before Notre Dame. So Kyle gets the shot, but you'll get a few games to see how well he can integrate into the offense or see if you need to shift things around before you get to that Notre Dame game. They should be undefeated, obviously, before they get to that game. But considering the quarterbacks they have had uh, in, the, in the last few, few, few go-arounds, this is a real question mark. Yeah, this one gets interesting. And you mentioned big shoes to fill. 
C.J. Stroud also had big shoes to fill. Justin Fields, the starter right. for the two seasons before that, he was a part of the pandemic year in 2020, but he also threw in the... Since the pandemic, they have not had a quarterback throw for fewer than 40 touchdowns in a season. Justin Fields, 41 touchdowns in 2019. C.J. Stroud, 44 in 2021. C.J. Stroud, 41 in 2022. And Charlotte, part of that we know is when you get to go throw to guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. in this wide receiver room consistently and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave before him, it makes the job of the quarterback a whole lot easier when you've also got a competent coordinator in Ryan Day, your head coach, and those kind of weapons. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ohio State has it pretty good when it comes to slotting someone in in the quarterback position. I also think that, that this could be an incredible opportunity for Kyle McCord. I think that if you can come in and play really well and win that fan base over, I mean, I was at Ohio State three times over the past two years, maybe four, um, and it is the most intimidating environment I have ever walked into. The horseshoe is... Um, terrifying to put it mildly like you know a lot of respect to ohio state fans um you all are scary and so i think that if you can as a quarterback if you you know they they don't go easy on their own and and if you can come in and and show that at least you're improving every game and and get that fan base on your side i think it actually does give you although i did see michigan just really uh destroy them at home but you know um (laughs) I think that it gives you something to work with. I think if he if he just sort of loses the fan base from the beginning, we'll see that that feels like a different story. But I think it's sort of exciting to have someone that is is not a CJ Stroud, is not a Justin Fields, and and see what what he can do in that pretty cushy situation. Well, you said it right there, pretty cushy situation. The one thing about Ohio State, a team like that, you never have to say. My man, you got to do this all on your own. We don't have a lot around you. I mean, this is a team full of four and five stars. This is a team that always has a good old line, some, some, some great pass rushers on defense. They're stacked around him. So I, I agree with Charlotte. He's got weapons around him to ease into this thing and get his feet wet. Yeah, I mean, you could argue probably between them and Washington, the best offensive skill groups returning in college football. Yeah, yep. you got Mayan Williams in the backfield, Travion Henderson there too. There's plenty of dudes. Charlotte mentioned the Michigan portion of it. It is kind of funny because Devin Brown <laughs> might still get to play early in these first few games, which was the Michigan tactic last year right. with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy as they went back and forth during the softer portion of their schedule. So uh, probably the worst thing I could say to Ohio State fans about their tack. Charlotte, thank you so much. Everybody check out Oddball. But coming up next, stick with us here. Chris Collinsworth going to slide on in and get us ready for the NFL season. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.